RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The government prepares to formally scrap the extradition bill that sparked months of civil unrest, while the MTR and the city's bars warn that the protests are hurting their business, and the government has warned that a ban on masks won't solve its problems. The government says it'll formally withdraw the extradition bill, which has sparked the unrest in June, since June, after the chief executive, Carrie Lam, presents her policy address on October 16th. Here's Jimmy Choi. In a letter issued to the Legislative President, the Chief Secretary, Matthew Chan, said in response to public concerns over the Fugitive Ordinance Amendment Bill in the past few months, the government planned to withdraw the bill at the first Legislative Council session, immediately after the CE's policy address. Mrs. Lam had announced in September to formally withdraw the bill, but it failed to pacify protesters who wanted the government to accept all five of the demands, including an independent probe into police actions and amnesty for arrested protesters. The Lechko building was broken into on July the 1st and was vandalized by anti-government protesters. Authorities estimated there was around $17 million worth of damage. The MTR Corporation has called on protesters to stop damaging station facilities and rail tracks, saying such acts pose a severe danger to passenger safety. Operations Director Adi Lau told reporters the rail firm faced unprecedented challenges with over 120 of its stations vandalised since the extradition protests broke out. He said some stations were running out of backup equipment, making it difficult to conduct repairs. The most worrying part is, as we can see from the recent incidents, and the, the, the amount of equipment damage have been escalated. And even more worrying is that the protesters throwing petrol bombs and all into our MTR stations as well as depots and setting fire and to our station entrances and throwing objects onto track and over lines. They maliciously operating our emergency exits and ramps on the trains. And this act could severely endanger the safety of the passengers as well as our staff. Mr Lau sidestepped claims that the rail operation had succumbed to political pressure from Beijing and the SAR governments by closing many of its stations before and during large-scale demonstrations. He stressed that the decisions were made following thorough risk assessments. Our mission is to provide safe and reliable service to our customers, to passengers and to the people of Hong Kong. And most importantly, we have to protect safety of our passengers and staff during these sort of protests and the risk assessment results advise us that we need to take action, and including closing some of the stations. Businesses of local bars and clubs have dropped an average of 30% since August, losing almost $200 million in total lost sales because of the protests. That's according to the Hong Kong Bar and Club Association, which says many of the SAR's 1,300 or so bars are struggling because they often have to close because of tear gas or because of transport problems, which means staff or customers can't access their business. It says the figure for pubs and districts where protests often occur could be down by almost 50%. The association's vice chairman, Chin Chun Wing, says he's worried that things will get even worse if the government doesn't respond to the demands of the public. He also warned that bringing in a curfew wouldn't help and would kill off some businesses. I think the curfew order is a very, very bad idea. This cannot make Hong Kong better. I think this thing must make Hong Kong all the business go to that. Because the bar business, the business hour is uh, uh, open at 6 or open at 7. So maybe you have uh, this order to come up 
so all the bar will be seven o'clock will be closed. So that means do not have any business. So will be that. Civic Party lawmaker Dennis Kwok says that if the if the chief executive brings in a mask ban by invoking the emergency regulations ordinance, the SAR government would be going back on its promise made to the United Nations back in 1999 that it would only invoke the colonial era ordinance through a proper legislative procedure in LegCo. He says enacting a law without public consultation or LegCo scrutiny will deepen divisions in society. Well, in this document that the Hong Kong SAR government sent to the United Nations uh, in on the 1st of November 1999, uh, paragraph 43, they uh, clearly promise the international community and the United Nations that if they ever use the emergency regulations, they would do so by way of the Legislative Council procedure. But they are clearly walking back on that promise. So how can the Hong Kong people trust them? The lawmaker representing the social welfare sector, Xu Ka-chun, says a law banning masks won't help curb the escalating violent protests here. Mr Xu was released from prison yesterday after serving an eight-month jail term for his role in the pro-democracy Occupy protests five years ago. The executive council is expected to meet today to discuss invoking emergency measures to ban face coverings at illegal protests. Mr Xu said this would add fuel to the fire. It will make the problem more worse. Anti-mask law only irritate more people to be more radical rather than to pacify Hong Kong people. League of Social Democrats Vice Chairman Raphael Wong agrees that an anti-mask law will be ineffective in curbing the violence. Mr Wong was also released from prison alongside Mr Xu. He says he'll be joining anti-government protests but only in a non-violent manner. I will be part of one protesters in the movement, but I insist the civil disobedient way is the best for all Hong Kong people to fight for democracy and freedom. Visiting U.S. Republican Senator Rick Scott says it's disappointing that Hong Kong doesn't have a strong leader. His criticism comes after his visit to the SAR. Janice Wong reports. The Florida senator made the comment following a visit last week to Hong Kong, where he met business leaders, pro-democracy figures and the chief executive. He said Mrs. Lam failed to answer basic questions about the rights of people here and that a follow-up letter she sent him was filled with, as he put it, more empty words. In her letter, Senator Scott said Mrs. Lam claimed to value freedom and democracy, but he said her inaction over the ongoing protests showed just how little she values the rights of people, even denying them the right to peaceful protest. He accused Mrs. Lam of being just another pawn in what he described as the game of global domination, being played by President Xi Jinping. He said she and other establishment leaders were nothing more than puppets for Beijing. Neo-Democrats Gary Fan says he'll appeal against a court ruling that unseated him from his LegCo post. The High Court ruled last month that Mr Fan had not been duly elected as a lawmaker in the LegCo by-election in March last year as a returning officer failed to give localist Venteslau an opportunity to respond when she barred him from standing in the poll. Mr Fan said it's unfair that he and the people who voted for him were forced to bear the consequences of an administrative mistake on the part of the returning officer. The clause of my appeal is even though is even though Mr. Lau has now successful in his election petition, it does not necessarily follow that I myself was not duly elected because 
Hong Kong permanent residents have the right to vote and the right to stand for election according to the Article 26 of the Basic Law and Article 21 of the Bill of Rights. Election therefore represent a very important and valuable right. Those elected are truly representative of those who are entitled to vote for them. The two-week nomination period for next month's District Council elections begins today. It's expected to be hotly contested given the anti-government protests. New faces who got together over online forums are seeking to run against pro-government figures in areas that were previously uncontested. Anyone aged 21 and over and who's lived in Hong Kong for at least three years is eligible to run for one of the 452 seats. Some pan-Democrats have arranged substitutes in case they're barred from running. Overseas now, and leading Democrats in the U.S. have again accused President Trump of betraying his oath of office after he publicly called on China to investigate his possible election rival, Joe Biden. Mr. Trump also repeated his demand that Ukraine look into business dealings by Mr. Biden's son, Hunter. The president was speaking as he boarded a helicopter. Well, I would think that if they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Biden. It's a very simple answer. Uh, they should investigate the Bidens because how does a company that's newly formed and all these companies, if you look at, and by the way, likewise, China should start an investigation into the Bidens because what happened in China is just about as bad as what happened with, uh, with Ukraine. The House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff condemned Mr. Trump's comments. I find... Once again, the president inviting another country to interfere uh, in our presidential elections repugnant and a fundamental breach of his oath of office. It endangers the security of our elections and is a betrayal of the idea that Americans should decide who leads America, not foreign parties. Senior government figures from the United States, Britain and Australia have expressed security concerns about Facebook plans to encrypt its messaging services. The U.S. Attorney General and the British and Australia Interior Ministers published a letter to the Chief Executive of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. Here's the BBC's Gordon Carrera. This would mean only the sender and recipient are able to read a message. Privacy advocates say this increases everyone's security. But it would mean that even if law enforcement agencies served a legal demand on Facebook to provide access to the content of a message, the company wouldn't be able to assist. The letter warns this would severely erode the ability of tech companies to respond to illegal content and activity, such as child sexual exploitation and terrorism, putting citizens and societies at risk. Researchers say a man with tetraplegia has been able to move all four of his paralysed limbs with an external skeleton controlled by his mind. Here's the BBC's James Gallagher. The patient, known only as Thibault, was left paralysed after a fall damaged his spinal cord four years ago. But when he is strapped into a robotic suit, he can use his thoughts to bend and stretch his arms, rotate his wrists and walk while being held in a support to keep him upright. He describes his first steps in the exoskeleton as like being the first man on the moon. There are two implants on the surface of Thibault's brain to record his brainwaves and send them to a computer. It interprets the information and sends the instructions to the exoskeleton. Finance now. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,969, 140 points down on the previous close. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung.
Let's start with baseball. The Los Angeles Dodgers have made a flying start to their postseason campaign. They blanked the Washington Nationals six nothing in the opening game of the National League Division Series. Max Muncie drove in three runs for the Dodgers. Their starter Walker Buehler pitched six scoreless innings, striking out eight. The Atlanta Braves dropped Game One at home against the St. Louis Cardinals. The visitors scored four times in the ninth and went on to win seven. Six. Now the American League Division Series get underway tomorrow, with the New York Yankees hosting the Minnesota Twins, while the Tampa Bay Rays visit the Houston Astros. Our U.S. sports commentator Ray Jovanovich has been giving his picks. Certainly cannot see anything with respect to the Houston Tampa Bay series. I've got I've got Tampa Bay uh, it, losing in that one. I think Houston is going all the way. I think that the Minnesota Twins though will give the Yankees all they can handle, and I think that it's very possible that the Twins can knock off the Yankees in the National League. I'm going with Atlanta. I think the Braves are really deep. Um, they're a great ball club. They don't get a lot of ink and attention. And I don't think anybody can beat the Dodgers uh, and certainly not the Washington Nationals, although I think that's going to be a closer series than the analysts currently are predicting. The first player's draft for a new format of cricket, the 100, has taken place. The competition will feature eight freshly formed teams representing seven cities from around the UK. Each team have both a men's and women's side. The new format is designed to attract new audience by having 100 balls per team, with the side scoring the most runs winning. The 100 is due to start next summer. The BBC's Henry Moran has more on the players' draft. Along with the reveal of team names, kits and logos, the allocation of some England stars was also announced. Perhaps surprisingly, England men's test captain Joe Root has been chosen to play for Nottingham-based Trent Rockets. So too England women's bowler Catherine Brunt, the Yorkshire duo away from home and in the yellow of the Rockets. World Cup and Ashes hero Ben Stokes will be playing for Leeds-based Northern Superchargers, whilst Joffre Archer will be representing the Southern Brave. James Anderson and Stuart Broad won't be playing, involved as mentors for the Manchester Originals and the Trent Rockets, while focused Focusing on performing for the England Test side. The next phase of the tournament's introduction will be the player draft on October 20th, when men's sides will have the chance to pick white ball England internationals and overseas talent. In the group stage of football's Europa League, Arsenal hammered the Belgian side Standard Liège 4-0. The 18-year-old Brazilian Gabriel Martinelli scored twice. Manchester United were held to a 0-0 draw at AZ Alkmaar in the Netherlands. Wolverhampton Wanderers left it late to beat Besiktas in Istanbul. Centre-back Willy Bully scored the only goal of the game in the 94th minute. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The government form, prepares to formally scrap the extradition bill at the centre of months of unrest. And it's warned that a ban on masks won't solve its problems. The news from RTHK. Travellers heading for the mainland during the holidays are reminded to avoid crossing the boundary at peak hours and should plan their journeys in advance. Please consider using rail services. Those using other public transport, such as shuttle buses or other cross-boundary coach services or local public transport services calling at the Hong Kong Zhuhai Macau Bridge Hong Kong Port, the Lok Ma Chau Spur Line or Shenzhen Bay Port are also reminded to avoid travelling at peak hours. A sunny morning, the smell of freshly baked pineapple buns. The ding-ding of a tram as we head to work. Neighbors laughing.
the beguiling beauty of our harbour and skyline. This wonderful city has been built with the love and sweat of everyone. Treasure Hong Kong, our home.123 show you're listening to RTHK Radio 3 and I'm Cruz McCallaghan with you today until 3 o'clock. Huge thanks to Phil Whelan for this morning's morning brew. 
much. We've got quite a busy little schedule in studio today, actually. We're going to be starting with a listen to one of the winning entries to last year's Hong Kong's Top Story competition.